Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Clay Thompson puts it on the deck. Pass to the corner there. Porter Jr. lets it fly! Three ball! The Warriors have their first lead of the night. It's 86-85. Now back to 95-7, the game. It's Evan Giddings. It is Dan Avon. We went to the break, and if you were talking about something we want to get into here, and those are sort of these one-dimensional teams, and that's sort of what we're witnessing right now with Dallas. And they seem to do it a different way, and it – it's sort of, it's not about them necessarily, but it's about the supporting cast and how they react to all of that. Look, Luca was fantastic last night. 42 points on 23 shots. Was He had 18 out of the break in the first quarter, whereas he had only 20 in game one. He was absolutely fantastic. But as the game began to move along and the Warriors began to chip away and Dallas refused to get out of its one-on-one hunting matchup high pick-and-roll type offense, I kept thinking that maybe Luka Doncic is suffering from what I'm going to call the Ja Morant effect. And when Ja Morant, in the second round of the playoffs against the Warriors, was torching them, he had his, you know, game two, had 47 points. They won by five at home. To me, you almost sometimes do your teammates a disservice when you take so many shots, when you dominate the ball so much, especially when you don't necessarily add anything when you're off the ball. When when Doncic doesn't have the ball, it's usually because Brunson is bringing it up. He's going one-on-one. Luke is hanging out in the corner waiting for a kickout or for Brunson to give him the ball so he can go back to work one-on-one on a defender. Meanwhile, for Golden State, it's such a stark contrast in both of these series Because, as we were discussing in the previous segment with Stephen Curry, he is a guy that can go one-on-one from time to time. He's demonstrated and did so again last night in Game 2 that he can close in a fourth quarter, giving you 10 fourth-quarter points and remaining the best, to this point, fourth-quarter offensive force in the playoffs. But what he does do is he brings so much attention to him self off the ball that he makes it easier for his teammates no matter the surrounding cast and sure the Warriors as a collective are are probably a better team overall than both Memphis as well as Dallas but I wonder sometimes that when Doncic starts to dance when he starts to dribble when he starts to look for his shot that he just essentially eliminates his teammates and when Dallas was at its best, when the threes were falling, when the ball was moving, when it was popping, it's because Doncic wasn't on the court in the second quarter. And they started to, to feel the ball. They started to get into a rhythm. You started getting your shooters involved. When Doncic came back into the quarter, onto the court in the third quarter, 
The ball was sticky. The ball wasn't moving. And everyone, I just felt like, was was kind of waiting for the ball to come to them. And then when they got it, they were shooting with a little more hesitation. It was just something off with their offense. And so I wonder if Doncic is suffering from what I'm going to call the John Morant, John Morant effect. Because when Morant left the court, when he went down at the tail end of Game 3 and didn't play the rest of the series, you saw Memphis start to play a little more freely offensively. They had to, but they were so much better. They were so much more efficient, and they were at least as effective with him on the court as he was off the court. Yeah, and I think in a nutshell, what you just said is why the Warriors, one of the many reasons why they are better than that of Dallas and are going to win the series. They have a multitude of weapons. Seven guys in double figures in game one, right? This is the consummate team sport, and you can't win with one guy. You never have been able to. Going back in the day, it's one of the reasons why we've ascended from isolation ball played back in the 1970s and the 1980s where Michael Jordan was on one side and then just clear the floor and let him go to work. This is about where Popovich has taken the sport and now his disciple Steve Kerr. And to a certain degree, you can accredit the Boston Celtics who realized a long time ago that if you get three guys, you can win NBA championships. But you need three. And if you don't have three, you need a couple, a multitude of players and weapons because the ball's got to move, and it can't just be about you. Because if you only got one guy, you'll never win. And I don't care if that one guy is the MVP, Jokic, and I don't care if it's the up-and-coming John Morant and or Mr. Luka Doncic. You have to get other people involved for the very reason what you're talking about. And, and what happens is, if it's by design that he's our best player, we run the offense through him, when you're on the floor, you're that quote-unquote supporting cast, you become a little bit more timid. If the ball's in your hand, you have to think twice before you jack up a shot because you know that it should be deferred to Luka. And Luka needs to assist to you before you catch and shoot. It shouldn't be the other way around, even though you might have an advantage or so you think on a guy. And so it gets into guys' heads. And that's a reason, one of the many reasons as to why it's never a template. And it, I didn't mean to go back to Dr. Naismith, but this is why the game is, the, the game hasn't really changed, Deb. Pick and roll has been pick and roll since the 1950s. And basketball is basketball in terms of movement. I coach at the little league level. I coach 10 to 12-year-olds at the Boys and Girls Club. And it's the same thing. We got to reverse the ball. It's got to move and have that defense on a bicycle. If it stays in one guy's hand, you've given clear advantage to the defense. Now, that's for 10- to 12-year-olds. I'm sorry, but it doesn't change as you graduate to high school, college, and certainly that of the NBA, which, again, is why, as we sort of segue to Steph Curry, why he is, doesn't need to be that guy, as we have talked about, but also why I think the Warriors in this extended window and why they can be so good as far as winning an NBA championship and maybe multiple championships. And, yeah, I know I need to pump the brakes and relax Dan. But it's because of Jordan Poole, I think. And players like Jordan Poole. We'll see if Jonathan Kaminga, James Weissman, maybe Moody will be that guy and will contribute going down the road. But Jordan Poole was Jordan Poole last night, and he needs to be that guy to, again, alleviate the pressure from Steph. Where was Steph in the beginning of that fourth quarter? I'll tell you where he was, where Draymond was, where Clay were, all on the bench during a pivotal push catching and passing the Dallas Mavericks with Jordan Poole, with Moody, with Looney and company. That's the ingredient. That's the balance that I think you're alluding to. If it's not one guy, but what the Warriors did when they caught and passed the Dallas Mavericks, Steph, Clay, and Draymond were nowhere to be found. And there was no drop-off. Like, that's the goal 
for an NBA team is when you go to your bench, you want to make sure that when they leave the game that you have either maintained the distance, deficit, advantage, or you have extended. That happened last night to near perfection. Like you mentioned, it was Poole. It was Looney. It was Porter Jr. And they were they were so good offensively that from in the entire fourth quarter, the final 15 minutes of the game, or 12 minutes, pardon me, Dallas got four stops. Four. They did not score on an ensuing possession on any of those possessions. So when you're looking at how Golden State in the third quarter did it defensively, they limited Dallas to 13 points. They forced them into tough looks, and they missed the open ones that they did have. In the fourth quarter, they revved it up offensively. And so then even when Dallas began to find its stride, began to get baskets, they scored over 30 points in the fourth quarter. They were pretty good. But they couldn't stop what the Warriors were doing offensively. And that is the key to what you're talking about, Dan, and it being a team game. You need to have bench players, players that you trust, players like Moses Moody that haven't played in the series and played a lot in the playoffs at all in their careers to be able to come off the bench and trust them in a big spot that they are going to just kind of sink into the system and can flow with the chemistry that the Warriors have, in my opinion, made the most valuable thing in sports. Continuity, chemistry, and efficiency. That is why they are so great. That is when they're at their best. And that is why they won game two. What about the disrespect for the Golden State Warriors? What about it? I mean, sort of on a national level. I see the ESPN. There's a lot of people sort of quote the the experts mm-hmm. that got the Dallas Mavericks winning this series at the beginning of the series. Obviously, that's changed. Bill Simmons, one of the few guys that I'll listen to. If it's a podcast, I don't listen to a lot of these coconuts. Bill Simmons, I'll actually sit down for 20 minutes and hear what it is that he has to say. I'm out. But Bill Simmons had the Mavs winning this thing in six. Now, maybe everybody was you know coming off that big high, what they did in game seven, right? I get it. And Luka... How's this, Ev? I've sort of maintained this you know, over the last six months, and that is the Golden State Warriors are still this work in progress that while you can, use, you can handicap Dallas, you can tell me who Phoenix is, we know their starting five is, you know what the rotations are, but for the Golden State Warriors, maybe it's not a lack of disrespect as much as it is, I don't know who the hell these guys are. Is Poole playing? Is he not playing? Is Draymond healthy? Is... You know, Clay's been out for the for two and a half years. He's coming back into the fold. None of you guys have really played together before. I, I don't. I mean, this isn't the Warriors of 2017, 2018, going back to 2015. Like, what the hell are you guys as we go to the postseason? And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I think everybody's beginning to to recognize just how dangerous they are. And even the Warriors will probably admit to you that they don't know what's going on because these guys are playing together for the first time, essentially. And I think that's such the such a cool part of this is, like, they're kind of still rediscovering who they are in the post-KD title contention window that they now have. And I think also one of the reasons that the analysts, both national, some local, I know there's one here at this station that picked the Mavericks to beat who the Warriors. Who is he? Call him out. He is my guy, Matt Steinmetz. I work for him from uh, Monday through Friday, 12 to 3. Tune in. Him and Steining Guru. So... That's, know- good, that's good radio, by the way. In all honesty, if you guys aren't listening to starting good, plug my man, guys. No, no, no. That is – I'm not – listen, you know me. I don't really give a rip that you produce that great show. But the fact that those two dudes – I mean, I know I used to play hoops with them way back in the day. But that's good radio. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, he, mm-hmm. he said you were all right. 
Um, <laughs> but I think why a lot of people pick the Mavericks is because of that big underlying question mark of what the Warriors can be at their peak. And we simply didn't get to see it during the regular season. The big number that everyone floated coming to the playoffs, 11 minutes, right? Draymond, Clay, Steph hadn't played for more than 11 minutes on the court at the same time together. And what worse, and what I mentioned up the top of the show was, I think even I underestimated how valuable those three are together with the surrounding pieces that this team has. And so I want to throw this at you. Do you think that Dallas in this postseason had a more impressive resume coming into this series than Golden State? Regarding postseason play or the season? Last half of the regular season plus the first two rounds of the playoffs. Who had the more impressive resume on paper, Dallas or Golden State? Probably Dallas. And I think that's why people picked them because there was a lot more you could quantify and interpret in your head and that, that tells you that Dallas should have the advantage. Now what and also Dallas won the season series three to one. Granted, I don't think Draymond played in he didn't play in three of those games, or maybe all four. They had guys out. So both both uh, the Warriors were compromised in, in that four game season series that they lost three to one. So everything logically And for most people that are kind of objective, especially the national media, they look at this on paper and say, Dallas should have an advantage over Golden State because up until this point, the Warriors, granted, they took care of business against Denver, but Denver had an MVP without, I mean, with basically scraps around them, right? They took away Memphis in six games, but got pushed after John Morant went down. And I don't think people understood how much, how different of a team Memphis was without Morant and the rest of those guys. And now you go into Dallas, which appears to be kind of the the most complete team that the Warriors have faced to this point in the postseason. Meanwhile, Dallas overcame the Jazz without having Luka Doncic for either the first two or three games of that series. They still won the series against the Jazz. And then they went and beat the number one seed in the Western Conference Finals and obliterated them in a decisive Game 7 on the road. So... On paper, Dallas has the better resume. I think that's why people are picking Golden State and why I personally was very nervous, and I think a lot of people were about the Mavericks coming into this series, is because they seem to be, you know, quantitatively just the better team. But after two games, I mean, we were talking about it before we started the show. You're like, uh, you know, does does Dallas have a chance? I say, well, yeah, you know, they, they got a chance. And you're just like, man, they're done. Because of what we've seen the first two games, which is Dallas playing its worst basketball, Golden State, knocking them out of the park, taking care of business, and then Dallas playing maybe its best version of itself in Game 2, and the Warriors still won walking away with that game. It just seems hard to overcome, and I, but I don't necessarily knock the guys that look at the game from a bird's eye view that don't necessarily pay attention to the day-to-day with the Warriors for seeing Dallas as a team that on paper would be a better squad. They just don't have the horses. But well put. I would just say this before we move on, is that I think a lot of the trepidation or I think of a lot of the the fact that people have Dallas and a level of disrespect, if you want to call it after the Golden State Warriors, is that when you think about it, if you just break it down, Steph was Steph, right? Clay hasn't been here for two and a half years. And for people that don't watch this team on a daily basis, they're like, he hasn't been there for two and a half years. Clay, i got to get reintroduced to the guy. And it took for a while for him to sort of, and he's still... You know, he's still ascending up the mountain, right? He's still developing and, and recovering to a certain degree. And then Draymond was out for a lot of it. I don't think people were aware of Jordan Poole from an, a national perspective. And he got better. 
oh. down the stretch of the season. Absolutely. And and I don't think people really recognize the potential. We used to sit here. We would do shows and talk about, listen, if Jordan Poole continues to take steps in the right direction, if Wiggins can get to be the sort of player that potentially he can be, and then if Clay is back to any level or semblance of who Clay once was, we know who Steph is, and Draymond can be healthy. Oh, watch out for the Warriors. Well, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I'm sure that could happen. But we didn't know. And now all of that is coming to fruition. And I think the rest of the country, for the first time, is getting an opportunity to see the Warriors. Now, that may sound ridiculous because you could say, well, it's the Warriors. Everybody knows who the Warriors are. It's Draymond, Steph, and Clay. You've been to the NBA championship five consecutive years. No, this is a different animal. This is now a Jordan Poole. Who? Jordan Poole. This is now an Andrew Wiggins. This is now about guys like Otto Porter. It is a different beast, and I think that people, it's not a matter of disrespect as opposed to, I think, maybe not being all that familiar with these sort of moving pieces that we've seen all year long for the Golden State Warriors. But I do want to talk about the 2-0 deficit. I mean, I know you're, God, I mean, I, I, I never thought I'd be this guy, but I, 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 because if you were just here just a couple of nights ago, I'm like, you know, watch out for Dallas. I, I, I do not see them winning a game in this series, and I am farthest thing from a homer on this, on this show. But you're giving them more of a puncher's chance than I am. Why is that? Because they've done it before, and I know that that sounds weird for talking about a, you know, a Luca team that had, I think they got knocked down in the first round of the previous two playoff appearances that he's been in. So, but what I mean is that I mean they, they literally just did it against Phoenix. Again, the argument is not in what you believe, and by no means am I, am I insinuating that by on paper in Dallas looking better that that makes the Warriors lucky for how they've played in the first two games. They have taken these first two games by the throat. They have put a stranglehold on Dallas. But as one of our callers mentioned earlier in the show, it kind of felt like to me Golden State needed to win. Not one, but two games. They didn't want to give up home court because going to Dallas, the Mavericks have been pretty good at home, but they have also tended to trend in a more positive direction the deeper they get into series. And it's it's kind of interesting because from a micro sense, it looks like the war of attrition is being won by Golden State in each of the first two games. They've just kind of worn down Luka and the Mavericks, and they've taken full advantage. But when you extrapolate it to two series – the sample size tells you that Dallas gets better the deeper they go into series, and the Warriors have gotten worse. Now, they've managed to finish off their first two opponents quickly, but that's because they have won at home. They remain perfect at Chase Center. And so when you're playing ahead 1-0, when you're playing ahead 2-0, it gives them so much more flexibility, especially when in this series, which is going to be different than the finals, and I think is going to play a big factor if the Warriors can get to the championship round, they're playing every 48 hours mm. for all potentially seven games in this Western Conference Finals. And for, as we talked about, Stephen Curry, who's 34, Draymond, who's 32, Clay, who's 32, guys who have played thousands of playoff minutes in their careers. I don't. I hope that they don't get worn down, but history tells us, and especially in the first couple of rounds, that the jump shots, they tend to rely on them a little bit more. They don't tend to fall as much. Like, they play their best basketball at the beginning of series, and that's why I think it was so important for them to get the 2 to nothing lead because if it's 1-1 going back to Dallas, the gloves are off. Anything can happen. And Dallas has already shown you they can go win on the road in Game 7. 
So for me, winning those first two games is huge because you position yourself for even if Dallas steals one, even if they steal two, like you can go win on the road. They have done so, and I believe every single playoff series since Steph started with the Warriors, they've won a road game in all those playoff series. So you're essentially hoping that you're coming back in game five up 3-1, and then you got two cracks. Well, technically three, but anything happens in game seven. Two cracks, just like Memphis, to knock their opponent out of the playoffs. I think the 2-0 lead is huge, and that's why I'm still kind of giving Dallas a puncher's chance is because they've shown that they've gotten better the deeper they've gone into series. It's a good point because when you think about the Golden State Warriors and players who are on the wrong side of 30 in terms of your core, you think this team potentially could be susceptible to getting heavy legs come games four, five? Should it go that far? I mean, going every other day can take its toll. It can. And I think that that's why the games will be probably more similar to game two than game one. They'll be a lot closer. The one thing, again, that I, I give the Warriors the advantage in, and we saw it against Memphis, like they played three games out of those six against Memphis within five points. Now, they, they won two, they lost one, but there was a lot of close games in that series, including uh, game six, in which they knocked them off. That's where the championship experience, to me, is pivotal for them, and that's why they need to play from ahead, is because they understand how important it is to grab a stranglehold in a series, and that's why they've always been successful. It isn't necessarily just that they have won series and won championships, but it's how they've won those series. When they've figured out an opponent, when they were at their best, they typically, when they figured out an opponent, they did not give them a single game. Like, they just stepped on their throat and ran away with it. It keeps you fresh, it keeps you dominant, and it lets the other teams know that, like, the Warriors, as the championship winners that they are, they are still around, and I think that whoever comes out of the East is going to be formidable, but if the Warriors can find a way to finish this series quicker than either Boston or Miami, they're going to have a leg up as they did against Dallas. Yeah, no, that's it's vital for a team, especially this is the oldest team remaining in the NBA Finals or in the NBA playoffs right now out of the four teams. You want that additional rest. Again, all that being said, I look at Dallas and I'm like, you got no one. I mean, I just – I'm familiar with Dinwiddie. I remember Dinwiddie was out of Colorado, out of the Pac-12. I, I remember I remember these – Powell and these guys are – there's just – there's no fear. Like, Memphis, even when you were up in the series, that game six was – I mean, that was you, – you had a sense of, like, this cannot go back to Memphis. There was always that level of fear because, you know, they were, they were athletic and they were good even without jaw. I, maybe I'm not. Maybe because they're up 2-0, and I'm, you know, I'm buying in here. I'm drinking Kool Aid, but I, I've never, even in Game One, I never get the sense that there's anything to be afraid of when it comes to the Dallas Mavericks, and I, I don't know why that is. I just, I don't. I'm Reggie Bullock, really. I mean, good players, but yeah, geez, that that is not something that sh that should keep you up at nights. But you're right. You know, we'll see things shift when you go back home out there in Dallas, and we'll see if the Golden State Warriors can can close things out or at least come back home with a commanding lead over the Mavericks because, yeah, if you're going to win an NBA championship and you're an older team, it'll be interesting to see just, you know, where you go from here. Eb, I would say this before we get to the break, which sort of goes back to my point about Jordan Poole. And I think that Steve Kerr and company maybe need to start playing more than seven guys. I mean, you can't be relying on seven dudes. To your point, especially if this is beginning to take its toll on that older core, if you want to sit them, I mean, again – 
Sorry, but if Jonathan Kaminga could be a guy, you got to run him out there to see if he can spell your starters because the more time or the more stuff they don't have to do because these other guys are carrying the load, the better off you'll be long-term. And that's something we can definitely break down to the other side. I also want to take a look at where the Warriors have advantages. To your point, whereas maybe they didn't against Memphis, I think that although Dallas is a young group, has a great singular force similar to a John Morant. There are some big differences there and where they're dominant that played into the Warriors' hands. We can get to that on the other side. And also, I want to update the PGA Championship. And yes, I want to revisit John Daly and a question for all of you listeners out there on 95.7 The Game as it relates to one John Daly. Evan Giddings and Dan Avone on 95.7 The Game. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Wiggins takes the outlet in the front court. Working on Doncic. He'll take him off the dribble. Floats it high. No good. Got his own tip. No good. Looney right there. Tipped it in. Warriors have scored 11 straight in 2 minutes and 26 seconds. And they trail by 5. They're back in business. Now back to 95-7, the game. Part of Kevon Looney's 21 points. He certainly has been one of the many storylines. Two games into it in the Western Conference Finals as the Golden State Warriors trying to get back to the NBA Finals for the first time since 2019 which ended, of course, that five-year run of five consecutive NBA Finals. 2019, of course, sorry to bring this up, Warrior fans, but they lost to the Toronto Raptors in a series that saw them lose not only Klay Thompson, who would be gone for the next two and a half years and returning just this season, but, of course, the one and only Mr. Kevin Durant down and out in that series as well. Well, we just heard about Kevon Looney. How about this? If the series were to end and we had to judge today, because this year they've implemented for the first time ever. I don't know if you heard this, Ev, but they now have the Magic Johnson Award or Trophy Award for the MVP of the Western Conference Finals and the Eastern Conference Finals. Series ends today, or if we had to pick today, say the votes and the ballots have to be in as of 5 o'clock this evening, Pacific Standard Time. Who's your MVP, Ev? Well, I do love that this award, I think, you can be a little more flexible with it than a a finals MVP. Not that it doesn't matter, but I think it's akin to kind of in in the MLB playoffs, you have your ALCS MVP, your NLCS MVP. Like Cody Ross can win NLCS MVP. (laughs) A Cody Ross reference. Yeah, he can can pull that for, you know, in a a, a CS series. 
So I think you can be, I guess, a little more creative with how you distribute your award. My MVP to this point, and I think he's he's just been fantastic. We've talked about him. He's been a running theme this whole show. Is Andrew Wiggins? Yeah. I mean, his numbers on paper aren't gonna blow you away. He's averaging he's you know seventeen and a half to the first couple of games, five rebounds, four assists, only three turnovers. But the job that he has done on both Doncic. Brunson, pretty much anyone on the perimeter that he's been asked to pick up and do it pretty much full court. I think he has been, in many ways, the tone setter for what this Warriors team wants to be at its best, which is a two-way force. And again, I think the value in what Klay Thompson was at the peak of his powers was a guy that could lock up the best guy on the perimeter on the opposite side and then give you an offensive punch in a consistent fashion. Andrew Wiggins has been that guy to me, and why through the first two games, albeit prematurely, he'd be my MVP. Brian, what do you got? Oh, thanks, Dan. Well, my MVP, I any chance I get a chance to talk about Kavon Looney, you know I'm going to do that. I truly think he's been the unsung hero of this Golden State Warriors dynasty. I mean, I just look at, he went, what, 15 for 19 in two games? He's been guarding Luka Doncic, he's been guarding Jalen Brunson, and he's been switching on those guys, and he hasn't missed a beat. He's just my MVP because he's the rock of the Dubs dynasty. He's your MVP regardless. He was your MVP way back in February. (laughs) 22 rebounds, baby. You can't argue against what he's been doing. Well, I think that, listen, as creative as we like to get, like Kevon Looney as an MVP, what? Well, it makes sense. And, of course, Andrew Wiggins... Let's, let's let's not overlook the obvious. None of this happens without Steph, right? Steph is still he's still driving the pace car and all of this. Steph is still your guy. Steph is your closer. Steph is your quarterback. I mean, he's he's the guy. And without Steph, none of this works. We let's take it. Do we Oh, you, okay, hold on. Mitch, hang on for one second. We got to set you up if we're going to go out to Jersey and we got to do it correct. We got to oh do boy. it proper as they like to say. But it's almost dinner time in New Jersey. Yeah, what time is it? Yeah, six thirty. So he's uh, he's got the prosciutto. He's ready to throw down some bacala. He's doing it straight up uh, soprano style. Let's get out to New Jersey, and my man Mitch, who is standing by, and we got his we got his music. All right, here we go. Hold on, Mitch. Don't say anything. We got to do you right. Thanks. You got a theme song? Oh yeah. We go out to Jersey. We we do it only one way. There we go. Although I've never heard of this version before. Oh, this is a Sopranos theme song? Yeah, just took a okay. while. <laughs> All right, Mitch, don't let us down. You're the only caller who has his own his own opening. How's it going? Thanks thanks again. I did have a slice today for lunch, but it was a cheeseburger and cake for my daughter's uh, 20th birthday. Not a boy. And going to be a grand. Be, thank you. Be a grand Congratulations, my man. Thank you. Um... I think uh, Luca has has made his run. He John Elway didn't win at all, so he got talent. This this series is over in five games, and I agree. Looney, he's gonna get himself a contract. Hopefully, he stays with you guys. He's MVP for this for this uh, conference finals. Play him out. Thank you so much, Mitch from Jersey. Well, what about that? Thanks again to Mitch as we go out to New Jersey as we do every week. Well, it sounds like he's coming after what? you because it sounds like you're predicting a four-game sweep, and Mitch doesn't think that's going to happen. 
Man, I never do these predictions. I just don't know how the hell. <laughs> I look at Dallas and I'm serious. I'm like, man, there's nothing in the barn, baby. Like, you got nothing. And watching them play, there's just. Memphis, D'Anthony Melton scared me for crying out loud. You know, <laughs> like none of these guys instill any level of fear. But getting back to Kevon Looney, whether he's the MVP or not, you know, we'll soon find out. How much are you paying this guy? Now that, that is a massive question because obviously he's going to be a free agent after this season. I think he's making this year around 5.1. Yeah. So he's, you know, he's on the cheap. He's going to get more money. I think he wants to stay in Golden State. I mean, there are very few guys that can remain with a team for as long as he has. And I think we, we kind of touched on it earlier, but the reason he was able to do that is because he was injured the first couple of years of his career, wasn't getting a lot of run, and so the Warriors kind of, could kind of retain him for a, a small margin. I, I think he, along with Gary Payton II, Otto Porter Jr., guys that, have been, that are on the last year of their deals that have been so important to this run, are going to get pay grades or pay upgrades from any other team. The question is whether they want to stay. And so I think Looney would be willing to stay in Golden State. I'm hoping for around the eight to ten million dollar yeah. mark. Like that pay to me is his money. Yeah, he's got to pay him his money and not as much as Jordan Poole, but he's gonna get paid by someone. My only my only fear in that, Dan, is that when he goes and his agent is understandably so going to test the free agent market that someone out there is going to say, hey, Kavon, we'll give you four for 60. Like, we'll give you $15 million a year for a four-year deal. All you got to do is come in and be the same guy you were in Golden State. Now, I don't think that he can be this player in any other position just because of, of how he's used and the chemistry that he's developed with the rest of the, the foundational core, as Brian mentioned, being a part of that championship group. But hopefully it's in the 8 to $10 million range and the Warriors are both willing and able to keep him because I think he'd be a massive loss that would be felt big time next year if he's not around, both in or on and off the court. Oh, he's so mm -hmm. significant to this team. If I'm Kevon Looney, and I've obviously, you know, this is the only team you played for, you're drafted by this team, the familiarity not only with the coaches and the players, but the front office, all of that stuff, it really does become a family. I know that sounds, you know, I know it's it's sort of trite, but it's true. But if if my agent, if I take a call and my agent says, listen, the Lakers want you to come back home, Southern California, and they're giving you 15 mil, I'm out the door. You got to go. That's just the way it is. You got to go. And all that sentimentality, it's, it's about getting paid at this level. And especially when you get an opportunity like that of a Kevon Looney that – I don't know how many paydays you set yourself up for this opportunity. And I don't wouldn't begrudge him for leaving, but if that's if that's what happens, and if that's the way it goes down, and somebody comes with an offer that blows away the Golden State Warriors, he's gone. Cash me out one time. He's gone. And uh, I think that the Warriors recognize that that's just especially as he continues to ascend in this postseason. Because everybody's everybody's got eyes on him. And everybody, just about everybody, has a need for a glue guy who does the dirty work like somebody like him. And he's, again, not a guy for a big, quote-unquote, big that you have to take off the floor. I, I've seen him guard CP3. He will guard your points. And here's, when I say points, I mean your point guard. Here's the mistake a lot of people make, Ev, is that you'll see guards, you'll still see guards that'll, that'll get Kevon Looney on a switch. 
and then they'll start to back up. Like, I got this. I got this. Much like Steph, if he's on a switch with Kleba, he's on a switch with Powell, everybody will say, oh, Steph's on a switch. Look at this. He's got Kleba ice, so everyone get out of the way. Matter of seconds, he crosses him over. He's either getting to the hoop with a layup or a foul. One of the two is happening. You see that with guards with Kevon Looney. Like, you still see it. I, these guys, for whatever reason, don't recognize the book is out yet, and they'll get a switch, and they're like, I got a big, not recognizing it's Kavon, that's the big, and they'll back up Kavon, and they're like, let's go. Come out here. You good enough? Come on out into my world. I'm going to cross you over. And you'll literally hear the bench of the opposing team, of that player's team going, it's Kavon. It's Kavon, dude. Think again. This isn't your typical big. So as it relates to Kavon Looney, he is so vital. I guess the one area, and, and this is me reaching here, but you have to think about if Kavon can't give you anything offensively, although the 21 points, what's the, what's the last guy's name again? That Robert Parrish. No, Jokovic's coach. Oh, uh, Dijon Milojevic. Milojevic. If Milojevic has his fingerprints all over this, and maybe this is Kavon going forward, he's getting you points and knows how to finish. But typically, he's a guy that's sort of on the offense, you know, clean up the glass, but we're not running any plays through you. It's not a liability, but you can't play him and then another player who doesn't score like that at Draymond because in 2022, you can't have two offensive players that you're hiding. Make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that Kavon, taking you back to the contract, He's 26 years old, so he's coming into ideally like his his athletic prime. I know bigs have kind of shorter careers, and so maybe he's not maybe not going to be the guy that plays till he's 35. But if they get the job done this year and they win the title, I think it would be very difficult for Kavon to walk away from one the only place that he's ever known, two a place that he has succeeded, and three a place that values him probably more than any other destination in the league. And so I think you do have to factor that into a little bit. I know 15 is a lot larger of a number than 10 or 8, and anyone who who tells me otherwise is, well, I haven't made a million dollars either, but I can only imagine. The thing is, Kavon, I think, could, could see how he could maximize his earning window by staying in Golden State. Like, that's one thing that I think kind of goes maybe not as noticed by by fans or just people in general, is how many players have gotten paid being in Golden State. Not only the ones that have stayed, some of the ones that have left, but if you stick around, you're generally included in winning and you're generally included in being rewarded for winning. Maybe not to a maximum you know, contract, like whatever Curry's making, but Kavon understands that maybe if he signed, maybe not a four-year deal, but if he signs a two-year deal, that puts him at age 28. He gets a chance for the next two years to try and maximize Curry, Clay, and Dre's winning window. Gets to part of, be a part of a championship culture, and he gets to stay in a place and still set himself up for a potential big payday down the line, where he could go get the 15 or 20 million later on. So, I think that there is a part of Kavan that not only wants to stay, but would be willing to take a pay cut minimally uh, to be able to stick around and force the Warriors to continue to, to try and put forth the best unit to win championships because, to me, that's what Kavon's all about. Like, aesthetically, play the way he plays, it's not, I mean, I don't know, it's not amazing to look at. Like, he just kind of rumbles up and down the court and does his job, but he's extremely effective in how he operates. And so he knows that, he, I, don't, I don't know if he could be as good anywhere else than in Golden State. And so he could 
maintain his window to be paid open while also still competing if he sticks around next season. It's amazing that you reminded me he's 26 years of age. Okay. <laughs> Seriously. He looks like everyone's calling him, uh, what, Kavana Lajuan? Well, he kind of looks like He's Lajuan. more like Kavana. He's more like Kavana Sanford and son. I mean, he walks <laughs> he walks like old Fred Sanford there. I mean, it, he, he looks like a guy well, well, well beyond he his He looks years. like Robert Parrish. Looks like the Chief. Yeah, a little bit. That's a good stick. You know, but one thing, and you and I have discussed this before, the, the one opportunity, the, the leverage or the, the one side that has the hammer, I think, is the Golden State Warriors in negotiations like this. Ev, they drop their own, man. This is a team that does not go out and try and do it via trades or free agency. You get some peripheral pieces, the Otto Porters who want to come in in the league men and win a championship. Those sort of guys have already been paid in the NBA, the B elites. But your core, they're guys that have come up through your system and only know one way to play basketball. It's the way you've taught them to play at the professional level. And the core in waiting, so to speak, the Kamingas, the Moody's, the Weissmans, and the Loonies, again, these are your guys that you drafted. So there's a sense of allegiance there. When I said that Looney will take the bag and go elsewhere, I still think that that'll happen, but there might be cause simply because of what it is that you laid out that this is his team and the Warriors have a fighting chance because of that connectivity of the fact that we brought you into this world. Yeah, I think the one thing that is transferable is the fact that, and everyone knows this, like the Warriors have revolutionized the way that the game is played. And so I think a lot of teams kind of like they try to they do it unsuccessfully, but they try and take what Golden State does and implement it to their own team, especially offensively. So I could see in, in a pitch from, I don't know, it's like the Charlotte Hornets or the Atlanta Hawks or the New Orleans Pelicans, some team that is trying, that is young, that is up and coming, trying to get to where Golden State is right now, going to Kevon Looney or Otto Porter, or GP2, whoever is you know available for them, and saying, hey, like you've been in an amazing system. We are trying to implement that system, and we feel like you would be the perfect piece to come in and try and you know be the, the crux of what we're doing, even though maybe you're not our best player, you're not our offensive force. I, I could see, to, to give the other teams an argument, that Looney might be attracted to that and maybe you know kind of would want to go and see if what his skill what his skill set is, if he could offer it somewhere else. Because I, I do think some players also are are maybe a little bit curious about, hey, like I think I'm pretty good. And I think that I'm I'm a part of a, a championship team. I am a winner. And I want to see if that's going to work somewhere else. Obviously the the biggest example of that is Kevin Durant. It hasn't worked so far. But Kevon Looney to me is a much more tame person, much more rational uh character. And so <laughs> you think <laughs> yeah, I mean to, to put it lightly. And so I, but I, I could see him potentially saying, all right, well, you know, the $5 million gap is a big one for me. And, you know, they got some good things going on down in Atlanta. They got something brewing in, in New Orleans. You know, they, they, they pushed the Phoenix Suns to a sixth game in the first round. I could help that team. Like, that's the only situation where I could see him maybe wanting to walk away from what they got here. Maybe a more accurate comparison, not Kevon Looney and Kevin Durant, but maybe a big that was in a similar situation, although he split time with Andrew Bogut was Festus Azili. And remember when his he had an opportunity to walk and he took the bag, so to speak, Portland gave him a deal. I think mm-hmm. it was a two-year deal, like $16, $15 million. Didn't work out. Now, injuries had a lot to do with that. But I think Festus Azili, if he could tell you to do it all over again, he was better off just staying with the Golden State Warriors. So, you know, when you think about recent memory, Festus, 
for the rest of us is a guy that, you know, decided that he wanted to go to Portland. And, of course, I don't think he ever played with the Portland Trailblazers. Now, injuries, again, certainly had a lot to do with that. But I think it's interesting to note that the Golden State Warriors, you know, they have that allegiance to a certain degree when it comes to players that have played with only one team, and that's coming up and doing it the Warriors' way. Also do have an update that we want to put out there. Per Anthony Slater, Andrew Wiggins, my current Western Conference Finals MVP pick, is questionable for Uh Game 3 in Dallas with left ankle soreness. Status will be monitored over the next 24 hours. So that's obviously a huge thing to pay attention to if Wiggins is questionable and if he's able to go in Game 3. Well, who takes his spot? Not Kaminga. No, I'm I'm just Damian Lee. It could be. So this is where I think Moody could get the start. Can he jump the line? I think he can. And I think that he... Because, like, at least to me, Bielitsa had that chance to be the guy who would start, but he played himself out of the rotation in the Memphis series. He just he, he just was unplayable, unfortunately for him. And so next up would be Lee, but I think to this point, and I think a lot of fans would agree, he's also, to me, played himself out of the rotation, especially in a starting spot. And when you already have Steph and Clay out there, who are good defenders, who are much better uh, defenders than the average, but still are not Andrew Wiggins. To me, you need another lengthy guy out there that knows what he's doing, particularly on defense. And for what I saw down the stretch in the fourth quarter of game two, Moses Moody has demonstrated that he would be the guy to get the start. That's interesting because Moses Moody, he's doing something again. Maybe it's behind the curtain. Maybe it's in practice where I think that there's a level of confidence with Steve Kern playing this guy. And oftentimes that's what happens, right? These guys are doing it. We wonder, like, Moody, where'd he come from? Now, we like Moody. We like his potential. But all of a sudden, he's getting in the run in the Western Conference playoffs. It's oftentimes things that we're not privy to, and that's practice. And I think maybe he's lighting it up, or he's doing something defensively that they like, or it could just be that in a combination of the matchups. And I know he's played well against Dallas, and I'm talking about going back to the regular season. He had one of his breakout games against the Mavericks at Dallas. So maybe that's what Steve Kerr's banking on. But again, the news coming down per Anthony Slater is that Andrew Wiggins, because of his ankle soreness, is listed as questionable for Game 3 against Dallas, which will go off tomorrow night in Big D. All the action heard here on 95-7 The Game. So could it be Moses Moody now that moves up and gets a starting opportunity? Now, I know you're you're being a little tongue-in-cheek when you said Jonathan Kaminga, but now, now he moves up in that rotation. I mean, if you're going to play seven guys, <laughs> I mean, the numbers, are, it becomes a numbers game. And you got to be relying, I think, on one of the kids here because without GP2, without Iguodala, uh, I, I think you got to roll the dice. I don't know how comfortable Steve Kerr is going with Jonathan Kaminga and or Moody for that regard. But what other options do you have, Ev? Well, th- this is under the assumption, I said Moody under the assumption that you don't break the rotation, which means that Otto Porter Jr. is coming off the bench. Like, I think he's the guy that probably gets the majority of Wiggins' minutes, but I know that they have liked to bring him off the bench along with Poole and keep some sort of consistency with their rotation. So that's why, like, Moody would start the game. I don't know if he'd play, he wouldn't play the 30 minutes that Wiggins is getting. But I just think that Moody for the, you know, the opening six or however long Wiggins is typically in the first quarter, he would be the guy to get the start. And then you're allowed to, you know, keep Otto Porter's minutes at 25. Also, remember, he had the right foot soreness that kept him out of a game in the Memphis series. So he's not necessarily 100%, and you got to keep him 
under a not a minute's restriction, but you got to manage his load, and so that's why I think Moody would be the guy. But I want you on the other side to prove to me why Kaminga should be potentially that guy and why he should be a factor in this series. Yeah, we'll get to the break, and I'll talk a little Jonathan Kaminga. And also now, with Wiggins out of the picture, what happens defensively in terms of watching Luka? That's something we can discuss as well. I'll also touch on Jonathan Kaminga and why I think, yes, that's right, I'm going to beat this drum. And at some point before this is all said and done with, whether it's the Western Conference Finals and or the NBA Finals, you will see why this kid has got a bright future, can win you a game or two in the postseason. You also got to tell me about your boy, John Daly. Sounds like he had a heck of a day off the golf course. John Daly and Jonathan Kaminga. How do those two (laughs) ever make the same sentence? We'll explain here next on 95.7 The Game. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.